So, this one is actually important. It pertains to our current situation in ways that I had not at all anticipated when I began to read the latest research about the bubonic plague in the 14th century. I've been obsessed over the past few days by a dry and brilliant book by the historian Bruce Campbell, entitled The Great Transition, Climate, Disease, and Society in the Late Medieval World. Each word in that title is meaningful. The Great Transition was an irreversible transformation in human societies and ecologies across Eurasia, which took hold in the 1340s to 1370s. Three factors interacted to tip the balance of humans and nature. Climate change, social instability, and the bubonic plague. The reason why I can't stop thinking about this book is that it describes how pandemic disease, social conflict, and climate change amplified each other's effects in a cycle that lasted over 150 years. This was not a simple epidemic outbreak from which Europeans could recover. It was a permanent transformation. In the 40 years between 1340 and 1380, around half of the European population disappeared. Things didn't get better until the late 1400s. For 150 years, Europe was locked in a cycle of climate change, social instability, and weakness from disease. These were years, as Campbell puts it, of harvest failures and famines, floods, inundations and droughts, surges and lulls in animal and human mortality, rebellions and wars, dynastic breakdowns, credit crises, banking failures, and commercial dislocations. The Black Death emerged from this collision of plague, bad weather, harvest failure, and war. Climate change set the stage for the bubonic plague outbreak. A period of extreme climate instability hit worldwide in the 14th century. Conditions in Eurasia turned colder and wetter and spoiled harvests from China to England. Changes in the weather meant changes in animal habitats, which gave the microbe that causes the plague an opportunity to spread across an entire continent. Disease and climate change were both part of the same process. Campbell has a term for this, socio-ecological regime change. Climate and society, ecology and biology, microbes and humans are all part, interdependent parts, of a socio-ecological regime. The Black Death emerged out of interactions between humans, animals, microbes, and ecologies. These relationships all changed irreversibly in a cascading effect one after the other, over almost a 200-year time span. I think you can start to understand why I can't stop obsessing about this book right now. Many people have written about how the COVID-19 outbreak is like the climate change problem, because it is global and requires a coordinated international response. But the history of the Black Death tells us that maybe we should think even bigger. Maybe the COVID-19 outbreak and climate change are both part of the same cycle. Maybe we are entering a socio-ecological regime change right now. We could think of the COVID-19 outbreak as an expression of a much broader transformation in the relations between humans, animals, microbes, and ecologies. Climate change and human activity transform ecologies and habitats, changing where and how plants, animals, and insects live. Novel viruses emerge from disturbed habitats and spread through food chains via commerce and travel. Climate change impacts humans' ability to feed ourselves and keep ourselves healthy. Social instability causes and is caused by climate change and may make us more vulnerable to repeated disease outbreaks. Maybe instead of talking about when we'll go back to normal, we need to recognize that we may be at the start of a great transition. 
But let's return to medieval Europe and the bubonic plague. Things were going pretty well in Eurasia by the 13th century. Campbell describes a world that had grown prosperous with international trade. Great commercial empires flourished in China, Southeast Asia, South India, and Western Europe. Spices, silks, and ceramics traveled east to west along the Silk Road and across the Black Sea, traded for silver drawn from European mines. A couple of centuries of exceptionally warm weather made great conditions for growing food. But there were vulnerabilities in this prosperous era, which came to a head by the early 1300s. All that commercial activity, including multinational trade in wool, exposed sheep and cattle to epizootic outbreaks like sheep scab and rinderpest. Wars between Italian traders and Mongols cut off the best east-west routes and blocked trade. The Hundred Years' War between England and France bankrupted banks and monarchs. Pillaging soldiers ransacked towns and farms, disrupting harvests. Europe's major commercial centers went bankrupt, pushing impoverished people into overcrowded rural areas. Then, the global climate turned dramatically colder and more unstable. Droughts occurred in China and North America, monsoons failed in South Asia, and Europe experienced unprecedented cold, rain, and flooding. The rings of trees from that era suggest that the years 1350 to 1352 were among the coldest known to human civilization. Harvests failed for many years in a row, causing poverty, hunger, and malnutrition. Not good, right? It gets worse. Sometime after the year 1268, the bacillum that we now call Yersinia pestis, which lived among rodents of the Central Asian steppes, underwent a great transformation. Unusually wet weather may have irrigated vegetation on the plains and encouraged prairie rodents to multiply and expand their range. Their fleas would have multiplied right alongside them. The fleas, in turn, carried the rapidly evolving plague bacillum in their stomachs. Caravans of traders carried rodents, fleas, and bacteria westward toward Europe. Somewhere along the eastern edge of the Great Hungarian Plain, sometime around the year 1338, Yersinia pestis found a new host in humans. Rats, fleas, and Yersinia pestis traveled with traders across the Mongol Empire to the Black Sea, from which Genoese sailors carried it to the Mediterranean Basin and the Middle East. From there, it spread out in concentric waves across Europe. Yersinia pestis moved with fleas in a chain, from visiting rats to local rats. Then, once most of the fleas' preferred host, rats, had died off, it moved to humans. It moved from ports to cities to rural hinterlands. Within seven years, the bubonic plague was everywhere. It killed at least 25 million Europeans in six years, between its appearance in Constantinople in 1347 to its arrival in northern Russia in 1353. It killed 30 to 60 percent of the humans it encountered. Above all, it killed the poor, the elderly, the malnourished, the landless, the first outbreak was the most deadly and violent, but it was not the last. For the next 350 years, each new generation experienced successive waves of infection across Eurasia and the Middle East. Each new outbreak was less violent than those before it, in part because starting in the late 1300s, towns adopted new measures to control the spread. Venice required that all visitors be isolated for 40 days on an island in the Venetian lagoon before they could enter the city thus the word quarantine, for the 40-day period. 
social responses shifted the relations between Yersinia pestis, rodents, fleas, and humans. But many Europeans in this period were weakened by instability and stress, harvest failures, and poor climate. Many perished. Half of Europe's population had disappeared by the end of the 14th century. Cultivated lands were abandoned, and new buildings ceased. Woodlands began to regrow. Forests that had been chopped down during more prosperous times began to regenerate. Surviving tree rings leave a record of profound changes in the ecological balance. The mid-1300s marked what climate scientists call a tipping point, a point past which the state of things cannot return to what it was before. In this period, relations between societies, ecologies, disease, and climate changed irreversibly. It took 150 years of instability, disruption, and death for a new socio-ecological regime to establish itself. And yet, during those 150 years, people lived, ate, and drank, and sang, and wrote vernacular poetry. We might look to them, to the records they left behind, to think how to live through socio-ecological regime change. I leave you with words from Giovanni Boccaccio's Decameron, written in the wake of the 1348 plague in Florence. This horrid beginning will be to you even such as to wayfarers is a steep and rugged mountain beyond which stretches a plain most fair and delectable, which the toil of the ascent and descent does but serve to render more agreeable to them. For, as the last degree of joy brings with its sorrow, so misery has ever its sequel of happiness.